Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Well, on today's episode of the Doxology podcast, we got another fresh one for you. Uh, because this survey that we're going to talk about was released a, year, uh, a week ago, I feel like I've already seen a number of people talk about it, so it feels like we're just like copying the uh, the trend. But I can assure you, the moment that I got the email, the morning that the results were, were unveiled, I was like, hey, Lucas, we should do an episode on this. But because we only do like one episode a week, and this was released like last Monday or Tuesday... And we may or may not have done this two years ago. We just can't remember. Yeah, we're we're having a hard time recalling. As you can probably tell from the title, we're talking about the Ligonier survey, the the state of theology. Um, I know for a fact that I talked about this on an old podcast that I did that I don't even think anybody could find if they tried to. It was called Life and Godliness. I did it when I was a part of a church. But I, Lucas and I both, for whatever reason, have this memory of doing the 2020 survey but we can't find an episode anywhere. So if you guys remember, or if you guys can find it, like, let us know, because I feel, I feel kind of dumb. Um, I don't, I don't, I forget what that thing is. Like there's a, not not a um, a disease, but Mandela effect. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Um, Denning Kruger or something, something where like two people have this like recollection of doing something or like people have a memory of something, but it's nowhere to be found. There's no evidence of it. Like I, I, there was recently something on Twitter uh, uh we're, we're, we're like there was this clip of like a commercial or a tv show and people were trying to identify it and we're like having the hardest time like hey look we can see that this exists but like we can't find any names or people that worked on it or anything it's just like one of those weird things so anyway with with that out of the way lucas and i are talking about the state of theology survey um if you're if you're unfamiliar with it uh ligonier is a uh uh, you know, a Christian resource. They, they're a publishing house uh, founded by R.C. Sproul, um, predominantly reformed and also like predominantly um, like, I believe, Presbyterian. Um, but they have some good stuff. Uh, they also have some not so good stuff, just like anybody. Like there's going to be some good and some bad. Uh, personally, historically, at least I've had some familiarity with Ligonier and with this survey. Um more recently, I've sort of distanced myself from it. You know, I canceled my Table Talk subscription. Uh, we can talk m- maybe more about that on a future episode. Uh, but suffice it to say, for now, um, we figured since this survey dropped, since we're living in this strange cultural moment, it seems like, that this was a, a fitting and appropriate conversation. I mean, Lucas and I have a theological podcast that we do week to week, and this fits right into that. What is the state of of theology, and it especially feels fitting because next Tuesday will be our first episode of Heresy Month, where we explore heresies from church history, and some of the findings of this report teeter very closely to heresy if it's not just outright heresy in and of itself. So we thought it was appropriate. We thought it was a really good conversation to have. Um, so just a couple of things at the outset. Um, the, the research in this, they I don't know how wide sweeping, how broad the, the survey is, um, but they, 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 they ask U.S. adults in general 
and U.S. evangelicals specifically. So they can sort of like get a pulse, like if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, um, like where do people land on some of these issues? And so uh, I know evangelical is one of those terms that has such a wide definition these days. Um, but they, at the bottom of this, they say evangelicals were defined by LifeWay research as people who strongly agreed with the following four statements. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Number two, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Number three, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. And lastly, number four, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. So with that out of the way, I think you guys are probably familiar with it already, but I figured for those of you that are not familiar with the Ligonier State of Theology Survey, they do this every two years. Uh, they, they're trying to get a pulse on on all things theology. So, uh, Lucas, why don't you start? What what in this, I mean, I think there's something like f- almost 40, maybe 35 questions that are asked, um, and we're, we're just trying to figure out what do, what do Americans believe about God, salvation, ethics, the Bible? Um what stood out to you in this year's survey? Yeah, first of all, I just appreciate how, you know, I'm not a sociologist or very familiar with sort of the methodology behind conducting, you know, sort of responsible and meaningful research like this. But I do appreciate the clarity um, in defining things like evangelical very specifically, you know, for people who are taking the survey there, it's going to be very clear that, as far as the respondents on this survey, you know, if they're categorized as evangelical, it's very clear what they, what they, what that means, and and I really appreciate that. As well as just if you haven't, it's worth going to the actual, um, like directly to their site, thestateoftheology.com, because there are a lot of really helpful tools that are really easy to use for applying different filters to the results. Um, so like right now, I have it in front of me, and I'm looking at the questions. And I've got side by side the results for all U.S. adult respondents, which they they pulled 3,011 people. Um, And then I've got it filtered. uh, And I don't just have it filtered to show one group, but I have it filtered to show people who are evangelical, black Protestant, and Roman Catholic. Um, They also have a mainline option, which I left out because evangelical, black Protestant, and Roman Catholic of the of the four specific Christian groups that are options here are sort of the overarchingly generally orthodox ones. Um, there's exceptions, of course, but um, I was that's that I was kind of curious. Um, and then you can just scroll through each question, and you can see uh, how many of the people in your filters and total uh, responded. It, it's it's just simple propositional statements and then you respond from strongly disagree up to strongly agree um very simple straightforward to 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 look at and everything um i haven't i haven't gone through every single question just because you know some of it's some of it's not super not as interesting as others they also have a nice summary where instead of reading every single question they they kind of pick and choose the ones that they're the most interested in which is it's it's a lot quicker read and it's interesting to see if you're if you're interested but you're not interested in like diving through you know an entire survey um great website very well well made and and it works well and all that kind of stuff so all that to say um the the one question that like i I don't know how much we'll get into specifics versus 
kind of uh, going our own way with with conversation. Um, but the one thing that is quite um, interesting to me, I'm trying to find it. It's statement six in the twenty twenty two. I seem to remember um, in the twenty twenty one there being a very similar question uh, with with sort of similar results because I just kind of remember. I just have this memory of, of seeing it, although I also have a memory of recording an episode, which we obviously didn't. So maybe not, but I, I think it was in the 2020 uh, survey as well. But the statement, statement six is, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Um, and what sticks out to me is 50% of those Christian groups that I have filtered, I'm not talking about the total, um, but 50% of people who are, according to the survey, Roman Catholic, Black Protestant, and Evangelical, uh, strongly agree with the statement, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. I'd love to think that um, the way it's worded, the way that people read it, they answered it quickly, maybe. And I'm sure that some people did that. I mean, I can't imagine how many surveys I've taken where I've misread a question and answered it the complete opposite way that I intended. But if you're if you're not new to this podcast, it it especially if you've been around for um, quite a while when we were doing more like our first Heresy Month in October 2020, I believe it was the first one. We talked about Arianism, um, and we've walked through creeds and confessions. Like it, it should be no surprise that the idea that Jesus is a being, let alone the first and greatest, doesn't really matter. But the, the, the idea that Jesus was created by God is pretty abhorrent to any form of Christian faith. <laughs> I mean, uh, we worship Jesus, so either he's God or we're worshiping somebody who's not God. <laughs> and I think either way, you run into some pretty significant problems right away with that. Um, and I think that, the, like, Without any other context, I don't know who they asked. I don't know the the form of the survey. You know, was it was it like they got it emailed and just they emailed it to like thousands of people and just whoever responded they took down. Was it was it face to face? Was it over the phone? You know, there's lots there's lots of variables. Like I said, I'm not a sociologist, and I'm sure that there there is a lot that I haven't even imagined that goes into creating and administering a survey like this, um, but. It, it is very interesting that 50% strongly agree and 17% somewhat agree. So 67%, two-thirds of the, again, evangelical, black Protestant, and Roman Catholic respondents say they agree to some degree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, which means apparently two-thirds of the respondents to this survey, keep in mind how statistics work, so this is a this is a you know this is a sample size three thousand eleven for the whole survey seventeen thirty one for my filters you know it's a, it's a it's a decent sample size for the purposes of surveying but it's not every Christian or person in America, um, let alone the church at large, let alone the church in the West. So all those caveats in terms of how we should view and use statistical data, which is which is an important conversation. Keeping all that in mind, um, it's kind of disheartening that two-thirds of people would not immediately, because there, there are still, there's, there's strongly disagree, which is the correct answer. Um, there's, there's not sure, 
and there's uh, somewhat disagree. So there's 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 even if you're not like, oh, I totally get exactly what they're asking. That smells like Arianism. That's a heresy. I reject that. Even if you don't immediately have that response, like I do, because I this is the kind of stuff I talk about all day, every day. It's not because I'm special. It's just that's the world I live in. So I'm immediately attuned to these kinds of things when I see statements like this. Even if that's not you, you still have not sure and somewhat disagree, which it seems to me like if you are a, if you, it, well, if you're an active uh, church goer in these categories, Roman, again, I don't want to keep repeating it, but the categories I have selected. If you're an active churchgoer, it seems to me like you're, well, <laughs> it seemed <laughs> prior to looking at this data to me like that's the kind of thing that you would, even if you couldn't articulate it in your own words or explain what it really meant, that's the kind of thing that you would take on. The idea that Jesus is God, right? It seems like such a no-brainer to someone like me that Christians believe Jesus is God. Um, which is basically the flip side of what this statement is. Rather than Christians believing that Jesus was created by God, Christians believe that Jesus is God. So I don't know if that one stuck out to you amongst all the other ones that you looked at. I'm, I mean, I, I know where you, where, where, right. what your thoughts basically are going to be. I don't know if you had like something specific you wanted to bring up about I did, this yeah. or just kind of in response to me. No, I did. But I just, I feel like this is the, this is the place to start for me, uh, and maybe people have different opinions, but I feel like this is kind of the one where it's like, this is where like I think some some pretty big conversations can and should be had at at congregational levels and like a wider sort of uh, sort of church cultural level of like how does how does the idea of Jesus being God or a creature how is that not clearly settled for people who fit who who on a survey, identify as one of these, generally speaking, orthodox Christian categories, right? Yeah. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's funny. This is the one that I had pulled up first, like that I wanted to talk about first. So you and I are clicking right on the same the same uh, level there. And if I'm going to like give the benefit of the doubt, like we do have a passage like uh, Colossians 1.15, which Lucas and I talk about Colossians 1 all the time. That's the the supremacy of Christ passage. But depending on your translation, it says the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, which has like theological meaning baked in. And if you don't know what that word firstborn means in this passage, or if it's not translated, I think there was one um, like the new living says and is supreme over all creation. Like, so yeah, if you're, if you're not careful, if you don't know, like maybe you just don't have a, a, a Bible degree or you're not literate in some of these things. Like you might read something like that and be like, oh, like, well, Jesus must be the, the firstborn overall creation. He was the first thing created. Um, so like, that's my like wanting to give a tiny benefit of the doubt. But then again, if that's, if that's where people have landed, then our, then our, then maybe our churches aren't doing enough to, to train and to educate people. If that's like where we're landing. And that's, I mean, personally, I've felt this way for a long time is I think a lot of just broadly speaking, like evangelical churches are that way. Um, like they do a lot of good things. They might have some good programs, but like, theologically speaking they're all they're often very shallow there's not a lot of depth and so if we're just talking really quick yeah 
Re- Sorry, I don't want to ruin your train of thought. I did just double check. If you if you click off to where it's just evangelical, it is slightly lower rates of agreeing with that statement. There right. there is there is a couple percentage points more disagreement versus lumping all all three of the Christian groups that I had together. Just just as like a little yeah, context. and that that's I mean that's I still like there should not be any. I mean that's the thing is like so there are still people who agree. So either it's like people don't understand the question or people are misinformed, or they are believing something to not be true. And like, we could do a whole episode, I'm sure we've even done episodes, unpacking what it would mean if Jesus was a created being. He, he thus could not be God, could not be the second member of the Trinity, and like a whole bunch of problems, uh, you know, come out of that. Um, so all of this, all of this to say, uh, like, this is a is a problem and it, and it's one of those that like man I, I read this and I'm I'm like concerned because I think um I, I mean I obviously on a on a podcast like the doxology podcast where our logo our logo is representative of the trinity like I think highly of of the the triune god that we worship and so um when I see something that sort of like again this is one of those that teeters on that line of almost heresy because you're 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 calling the eternal God a, a created being. Um, and so that's why I took exception to this one. That's why I think it obviously makes the the cut for being on this list. Um, but if I was going to jump to another one that I found interesting and concerning, um, as you mentioned, when you go to stateoftheology.com, uh, they do highlight some of the ones that they've found to be most concerning. And the one that's first, it's actually statement number four, but it's, does God change? So in a world that, um, you know, there's all kinds of problems, there's all kinds of sin as things persist as they do, like, does God adapt? Does he, does he learn and change to like different circumstances? So the, the poll for us adults is that 32% strongly agree, 20% somewhat agree. So like half of us adults in this country agree that God changes and only about 30 percent disagree and it's not all that different amongst self-labeled u.s evangelicals uh 39 strongly disagree so that's i mean that's good to see um but 43 percent so almost an, actually a greater amount strongly agree that god learns and adapts to different situations um, and so my question is like, is this calling into question the unchangeableness of God? God is eternal. Um, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, like there's any number of passages we can go to to show that God does not change um, or at least change in the way that we think about change. And again, this this comes down to how people read scripture, how people interpret scripture. Uh, but I think, for example, of passages where it's like where it says something to the effect that like God changed his mind or God did something. God saw that humanity was so wicked. So he decided to, to you know, put a whole flood covering the earth. Um, and so maybe people see this and they see, well, maybe God changes his mind or he adapted to the situation at hand. Um, but I think that if we started to probe that a little bit deeper, uh, we start to run into issues of like, does God know everything? If God has to learn and adapt, that that means necessarily that he doesn't know everything because as something as something comes up, he has to adapt, which means he did not see it coming. Um, and so, what what's the implications of that for our theology? If we are going to say that God 
can can learn or adapt or change. I'm I'm curious if you were drawn to that one or if you have thoughts there. Yeah, it is interesting how they place it um, as like number one of their key findings, which is just not really here nor there, but it's interesting. But in the descriptor, the little like blurb paragraph that they have underneath the results, um, they mention like this may indicate the influence of open theism and process theology within the evangelical church. And then they go on to say this, this finding may also indicate a lack of clear biblical teaching on the character of God in evangelical churches. And I think it's, it's, it's really helpful to put that, that blurb to like, to like kind of pause on it for a minute, because like, it does sound like that, that is the crux of a lot of discussions about open theism and even process theology. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think most people sitting in the pews, most people who are committed Christians, who, who, who pay attention, you know, they don't just show up, but they pay attention. They're involved in Sunday school. They're involved in small groups, community. Like, I, I don't think most of them who aren't seminary students, seminary graduates, um, Bible college students and graduates, like... I'm sure that every congregation has the theology nerd person who who is familiar with these things. Um, but at the end of the day, I just don't think most people would even have heard of what you're talking about if you said, hey, if you pulled your own church, like you took this survey and, and gave the questions to your own congregation and you got similar results and, you know, 38% or whatever, I forget what it was, uh, of your church said... I strongly agree. God learns and adapts to different circumstances. And you were like, hey, I'm, I would love to talk to you about this. And you kind of probed into the questions of process theology and open theism. I think for the vast majority of the average Christian in America, um, you're not going to even get any sort of recognition of what those things are, let alone any kind of sophisticated, like intentional subscription to ideas influenced by open theism and process theology the second option they give which is a lack of clear biblical teaching and hence understanding i think is really as i look at things like the state of theology i had the same thought two years ago um and even it's even stronger now um which i think has is more to do with me changing than the results changing because i think a lot a lot of you know two years is long enough to see some changes but i also don't think that anything substantially different in terms of the state of theology is really it's really going on but I, I i just think that this really these kinds of questions the the question the first one we talked about jesus being god this one lots of other ones there's one down the road that like a couple a couple questions down from whether or not jesus is god that is about the holy spirit and it's like is the holy spirit the way they worded it like is the holy the holy spirit is a force and not a personal being it's like the same question uh, but just applied to the holy spirit and again it's it's kind of the same thing where like half or more of the of people including christian like christian people and evangelical people are denying the divinity of the holy spirit according to their answers on this on this survey but i don't think a lot of them are going to be like yeah you know I'm, I'm a big fan of eunomius and and i think basil of caesarea was wrong in his criticism you know like i just don't think that that's the case for most people who are answering this question which is the whole point of it and why it it uh raises these really helpful considerations and questions and it brings me back to what they're talking about what does and we, we can 
we can leave this here or we can take take this a lot further if you want. I'm not sure if, if you had thoughts like this, but what does the, what does theological education, because these are theological questions. Does God change? Is the Holy Spirit a personal being? Is Jesus God or created? Like, um, in, in, in many ways, they're, they're kind of basic, somewhat foundational theological questions. They're not like super specific questions for people who are interested in theology, but they are really important theological questions. And, and what does theological education in our churches and congregations look like and how to improve that, how, how, to, how to create a world where the, the results on surveys like this are that they come from people who are informed on what they're saying. Maybe they still, maybe they still agree Jesus is created, but they know what they're what they, they know what they're saying. They know why they're saying it. And I'm not talking about every Christian adult has a master's degree in theology. But what I'm saying is they've been introduced to these ideas. They've been taught what is the teaching of the church um, by you know through not just through preaching, but through the teaching ministries of of, of a congregation or a church or a or a whatever like. The, the, these are the questions that are swirling around through my head. I'm, I'm involved at my church in, in teaching. I help teach the adult catechism class, and we're just walking through the ACNA catechism, and it's all kinds of questions like this. Like, we're walking through the Apostles' Creed right now, and it's like, it, it's these exact kinds of things, right? Jesus incarnate of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is God. You know, God created the world. You know, all these kinds of things. Um, and I'm just, so I'm really thinking about, like, how, how, do, you, how do you teach your people like what is the teaching what is the responsibility but more importantly what is the what is the sort of the the shape of a of a church teaching you know catechetical ministry that that gives you the like i'm not saying everything's perfect but it you know to make efforts to like in two years they're gonna they're gonna you know in two years in in six years in 20 years they're gonna ask these questions again and most most Christian people are going to say strongly disagree. Jesus was created. Jesus is God, and I know that because I know what the creed says. I know what the Ten Commandments say. I know what the what the Lord's Prayer says, and I have a good understanding of the faith. And I know that I don't have a degree in theology, but I know that if somebody tells me Jesus isn't God, that that's not right because I know what the creed says, or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, and it applies to all kinds of things. I'm going a little ramble mode at this point, but. Um, just, just as far as, as, as what this survey really stirred up for me, more so than any specific question, it was this idea of like congregational, parish, theological teaching and, and sort of the, the enormity of that task and, and thinking through like what is, what, is, what, is, what is making a dent in that look like? So two-thirds of Christians don't say Jesus was created, yeah. you know? I don't yeah. know. No, that's that's interesting, and I I also I mean I I have a hard time with any survey just in general, like whether it's one like this or like every every year at work, for example, we do like a, an employee engagement survey, and like I sometimes just like the way that you even pose the question, it can be confusing. The answers you're given, like on this sliding scale of like strongly disagreed to somewhat disagreed to like unsure or neutral, um, like it's. It, it can skew 
answers because some of these answers are far more nuanced. So like I, I take some of this survey with a grain of salt. I don't take this as gospel, obviously. Um, but I think it is, if nothing else, at least a, 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 a temperature gauge. We can at least get a rough estimate like this is sort of the state of the theolo- theological world. But I also like I find myself teetering on this line like obviously I think theology matters. I think theology is important. Um, however, like obviously there's only so much we can do. There's only so much we can know. There's even so much about God that we just don't know, that we can't understand because he is an infinite, holy, eternal God and we are finite, unholy beings who, you know, sin every single day. Um, And so I'm like, you know, how much of this can we give the benefit of the doubt? How much of this can we, like, have a sense of understanding where, like, you know, we hold to our, our, our firm core beliefs, but then some of these other ones can be outliers because... You know, there's just disagreement amongst, you know, you have this sorted by all those different categories or whatever. Um, like if, if they were to ask the question on like, should infants be baptized? Like, I don't think that question's here, but like that's going to have varying different results amongst those different categories. But I think they purposely try to pick some of these questions that are especially poignant or especially maybe like spicy or to, to arouse like a kerfuffle because, you know, a question like God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. But it's just, it's just one of those interesting questions because like we just said earlier, like, you know, U.S. evangelicals are defined by people who believe that, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that uh, faith in him is the the way to salvation. Um, So then it's interesting that like a little bit later, the same group of people says that, you know, God accepts the worship of all religions. Um, You know, 56% of supposed evangelicals agree. So there even just seems to be like a contradiction amongst like what it means to be an evangelical and then like what evangelicals are are saying. Um, and I think, you know, even more than this survey itself, I think like further research or surveys into these varying groups and the differences among them would be just like really fascinating, like to go and see like, okay, so what what's the deal with evangelicals right now, you know, even saying the word evangelical, like that causes a lot of people to get all kinds of, you know, concerned because it sounds like something that's associated with politics or um, elections or, uh, you know, a subset of people that like we want to focus on in those types of situations, um, as opposed to like a more broadly just like Christian grouping of people. Um, So yeah, I don't don't know, like I feel like I like you said, I feel like we're just kind of somewhat you know, rambling a little bit about this survey, there's so much that could be said because there are 35 questions. Like we could do a whole series for half of a year or the majority of a year on the results here and like have a really interesting podcast. Um, but I don't know, like what what do we want to make of something like this? Like I guess at the end of the day, like if we're going to have like a, a who cares or a so what or why should I be interested? Like what what is what is your thinking when you when you looked through these results when you see like religious belief is a matter of personal opinion it's not about objective truth like 38% of evangelicals say yeah i agree that belief is a matter of opinion not objective truth um, you know, there's stuff about sexual ethics, there's stuff about gender and identity, there's stuff about um, abortion, and like, you know, obviously, some of the questions we've already covered, but like, um, you know, God created male and female, um, 
the Holy Spirit gives a spiritual new birth or new life before a person has faith in Jesus? Um, like these are just these are good and important questions, but like the answers are so unexpected almost based on what I assume they would be that like, should I be concerned? Or is this just like maybe a not good survey? I don't know. What are your thoughts on the so what? I think that's a really good and important question to like, I mean, it turns this from just us jabbering for half an hour into actually thinking about why this stuff matters, which is always important (laughs) and definitely a temptation for me to forget about things that I get interested in just for the sake of them. But not to be like kind of broken recordy, but I do think that this really points to the need for every everybody who's involved in in church leadership in some capacity, lay, clergy, pastors, uh, Sunday school teachers, leaders of all kinds, board members, all that kind of stuff. Like the teaching ministry of the church is really, really important. Like it's it's one of the things the apostles did in Acts. Like we want to talk about what is the what are the like core responsibilities that that a church needs to be doing, teaching the word along with preaching the word, which is not the same thing. They're related, but they're not the same thing. Teaching the truths revealed to us in Scripture, handed down, and the faith once delivered to the saints is an essential part of what the church does. It's not all that the church does. The church is not like a lecture group or whatever but teaching is uh it it's it's vital like like the christian life doesn't exist without teaching it it doesn't exist with only teaching we're not brains on sticks but it doesn't exist without teaching and these sorts of things i'm not saying that this is the reason for the individuals who answered this survey or for the trends or anything but they raise the question for me that i think is so essential what do we do with our teaching? Are we teaching, um, like, are we teaching the truth? Are we teaching enough? Are we, like, like, are we addressing the questions that matter? Are we, are we, are we teaching in ways that 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 stick? You know, that that are actually engaging enough to be listened to. Like, all of these kinds of things that need to be really, really seriously and carefully thought through in order to create some kind of catechetical teaching. Uh, program ministry at your churches where um, these truths are being upheld and in very explicit and very intentional ways for the sake of the edification and the growth of the church, right? Um, So that you don't have people walking around listening to your preaching, you know, who don't even know if Jesus is God. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that will never happen, that you won't have people who are just uninformed who are in the process of learning. But I'm just saying, like, as a trend, right? I think, you know, if I was in charge of a church, I would <laughs> really want to make sure that my church didn't fit in the trend of people who don't know whether or not Jesus is God. Um, and to kind of pivot to the other part of what of, of what you said that, that I think is also um, interesting is, like, like, you said, should you be con- should we be concerned? And I don't I don't know enough about the scope of um, the survey respondents to really feel like that's somewhere I'd want to go. So much as you should you should probably be concerned if you start thinking about these things and 
listening to people in your congregation and hearing these things, or you see these things and you're just like, eh, whatever. I know my people know what's what's true. Like if you're a pastor and you're just like, well, I know what's true and I am preaching with like I'm 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 attempting to preach consistently with that, which means there's no way they heard from me Jesus isn't God, so I don't need to worry about that. You're probably right. They didn't hear from you that Jesus isn't God, but that doesn't mean you don't have to worry about whether or not people are actually um, are actually soaking in all of the truths when it comes to things like this. And I think that what I, what I find valuable about the State of Theology survey in general is not so much that I feel like I necessarily have a better understanding of like what the American religious landscape in general looks like or the American Christian landscape, um, so much as I think it gives me, um, it points me back to the need for faithful teaching and preaching. And I think that it uh, maybe helps me to emphasize the need to really intentionally engage in like catechesis and teaching as part of the Christian life, part of the Christian, like Christian discipleship. It doesn't stop once you've taught people enough to make a profession of faith. It, it, it's really just beginning at that point because the whole rest of their existence is one of a Christian growing into closer relationship with Christ and better understanding of his truths. So I think for me, that's really the big takeaway is like, catechesis, education, um, in and for the church, right? Not just the people who are take who, who, who are getting paid to think about these things and write about these things. That kind of that 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 serves a really important role. But even more than that, the people who are who are teaching and, and speaking and thinking and living in the church, right? A, a love for Christ's body includes a love for the truth. And um, these questions point us to the need to be diligent for the truth, right? Yeah. And be, being diligent involves um, being able to and, and caring enough to teach um, in the context of, of the local the local church, as well as a sort of a bigger scale or a more formal higher education setting, um, which, you know, if you listen, you know, I'm all about formal higher education. I love it. It's, it's you know, it's great, but it's not, well, <laughs> some of it's great, but it's not... Um, it's not, that's not the same thing as, you know, pe- the people who actually make up my local congregations. Like, what are they imbibing directly and indirectly from the church and from the broader culture? And how are these things being filtered through the lens of God's truth? And how do I, as somebody involved in the church, contribute to, you know, this the 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 fostering of that truth so that's kind of where i want to land it and and where i want to say a sort of like for me like the so what of things like this yeah no that's good and i i I agree i you obviously we've had like you said we've had even episodes about higher education we've had episodes about the importance of creeds and confessions we've had episodes about the importance of teaching and preaching and all these things and i i'm right there with you i my my only other uh, if if you want to use the word warning or like caveat to that is like a, a big part of of the Christian faith is um, that that like right thoughts, right words, but also right actions. Like there's the there's the there is the element that our our works or what we do with the knowledge that we have. 
um, because my fear is we can have a bunch of people who know the right things or who, who can at least like answer the right way on surveys. But if it still isn't changing how we're living in the world, then it's then it's in vain. Um, and so my what I want more than anything, and this is something that like this is something that I love. There was a book I read a while ago. I believe it was by Joel Beakey, um, but it was about reformed preaching, which is a it's a play on words because it's talking about, you know, preaching in the reformed tradition. But it's also talking about like reforming preaching, but it's also preaching that reforms. It's it's preaching that isn't just in forming heads, but it's changing and transforming hearts. It's changing and transforming our affections and thus how we engage with the world. And see, my biggest fear in a lot of this is like when I look at the theological landscape, when I look at, you know, any any Twitter feed, any Facebook feed, anything that's like visible to me out in the world, and even some of the interactions I've had um, in person, like I'm, I'm sometimes like afraid of of the state of theology, not because people aren't checking the correct boxes, but because sometimes even those people that are quote unquote checking the right boxes are then going out in the world and living contradictory to what they are professing or what they're saying they believe. Um, and so that's one thing that I think a survey can't capture is like what we miss when we when we uh, don't love our neighbor, um, when we when we care more about politics over or relationships with our brothers and sisters. Um, so that's sort of like my so what is like even if we had all the best answers on this survey um, or even if we take you know what we have, I still like when I look out into the world, I don't see the quote unquote ideal or how it should be or how how Christ has called us to live as his disciples, as his people, as his ambassadors in the world. Um, so my call is for, you know, fellow brothers and sisters, you know, those of you that are listening, especially those of you in the United States is to like stop, consider, think about one, what you believe, what you think your you know, those thoughts, those words and how those things are informing your actions, how those things change how you engage in the um, marketplace, how you engage in the world, whether that be online or in person. Because um, my fear is that we have a bunch of people who maybe do know the right things, but who aren't doing the right thing. So that's that's where I'll leave it. Sweet. Um, that'll wrap up for today. Um, we're going to pray out of the Psalter like we've been doing recently. Um, we're going to pray Psalm 146. Um, that is Psalm 146, not Psalm 1, verse 46, for those following at home. Um, but let's pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We are done. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you want to connect with us, 
Um, you can find us at Doxology Podcast or by email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear your questions and ideas for future episodes. Um, get ready because this releases on 26th, 27th, the 27th. And that means the next episode is going to be in October, which means Woo-hoo! heresy month. I can't believe it's already been another year um, since a year ago. But that is where we're at. So we are really excited to hear from you. We, we love connecting, especially like someone like this, like the this survey, like take a look at it if you haven't. Um, I think they even have like an option where you can like take the survey. And, and I, I guess I haven't done it, but maybe it'll it puts your results up against other um, results like so it, it's a great website it's really easy to use and it's really helpful and we'd love to connect about these kinds of questions you know s- send us your results or, or ask us about a specific question we didn't get to that's on the survey or whatever it might be regardless have a great day we'll see you next time peace out